You're listening to The Chopping Block, a VIC Radio exclusive podcast. Hello, my name is Peter Gillen. I hope you're all doing well, very well. Welcome to VIC Radio's The Chopping Block, the show where music is put to the test. I'm here with a very special guest who brought a very special album for me. Let me introduce to you Jose Cruz. Yo, my name is Jose Cruz. Uh, I also go by Zay Kanashi, and I make music. I'm a rapper, singer. Uh, I'm a second year here at Ithaca College, and I'm a film major. That's pretty much it. All right, nice. Yeah. So I think um I think at least uh the album you brought me today was um I guess kind of indicative of your sound a little bit. Yeah. You know, I guess you'd consider well actually this will be kind of a spoiler, but Jose brought for me uh Little Uzi Vert's Love is Rage Two, which honestly little fun fact I just realized it is the reason it's spelled L U V because Little Uzi Vert. Yeah. Okay. He does that for a lot of his, a lot of his albums. Yeah, I just, like, I always, I never understood it until, like, I opened it. I'm like, oh, oh, that's why. Okay. <laughs> but, um, and then at least the album I brought for Jose this week is um kind of a classic album. At least kind of slowly become one of my favorites and kind of fits the, you know, the cold weather that's approaching. Uh, It's Kanye West's 808s and Heartbreak. Um, But, yeah, we'll get to that later. Um, Let's talk about Louis Vert. So, um, at least uh, before I talk about my thoughts, Jose, what are, what are your thoughts on uh, Love is Rage 2? To be honest, I think genuinely this is like one of the most influential albums. I don't know about all time, but definitely for this generation. And not to get too much into 808s and Heartbreaks, but this is kind of like the 808s and Heartbreaks of our generation. Uh, because obviously it was heavily inspired by that album. And it also just has influenced a bunch of rappers in today's culture. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of similarities between those two. And at first, I didn't even really like this album. I didn't hate it, but it was kind of like, okay, it's whatever to me. But over time, even like recently, it kind of just hit where like, this is one of the best albums that has come out in the past like five years. Dang. Yeah, I would say, I wouldn't say it's like I disliked it. There were certain tracks that I was kind of like eh, iffy on. But, um, yeah, I do see the influence. There's definitely a lot of stuff that's like, uh, this came out in 2017, and it's like this sound I could kind of like attribute to people like, you know, Playboy Cardi, yeah. uh, Trippy Red a bit as well. Mm. Um, I, Trippy I don't, Red was first coming up. People would like make fun of him and be like, oh, you're, you just sound like Lil Uzi, which even I thought he sounded like Lil Uzi a lot of the time. But then eventually he, be, he adapted Lil Uzi's sound and kind of made it his own and had his own unique style now with it, which is what a lot of those artists did at the time they just kind of took his sound and or were just, influenced by it and were like now let me make something out of this yeah there's definitely like really interesting things that you can kind of like compare and contrast these artists where they have this sort of baseline which i guess we'll just go into more of the specifics of like you know this music where you know which we'll we'll kind of compare this data way it's a little bit but that'll be a bit later of just this heavy use of auto-tune Mm-hmm. Like there's just a heavy use of it where it's not so much as in like, you know, the generic pop way people use auto tune where it's like, you know, you're singing notes and you're just using it to basically like reach those notes without it sounding bad. With this, it's kind of turning your voice into an instrument a little bit where, yeah. 
you can kind of add this like robotic kind of feel to it and you know you can experiment with it in many different ways but um in like love is rage 2 and i guess like with other artists like i haven't listened to much trippy red but sometimes like a scream that you'd usually hear like i guess in like a rock song it turns into like this electronic kind of sounding yeah electronic sounding scream that just kind of uh changes the whole tone of the song and stuff yeah and i think a lot of people nowadays are starting to kind of realize what you said where it's like they're using their voice as an instrument because i was watching a video not too long ago about some rock fan who listened to a whole lot of red by playboy cardi and was it mercurial number six probably i yeah. don't remember who it was i love that guy but i remember he said something like oh yeah i've learned from you guys from my last video to kind of just realize that these artists are using autotune not because they can't sing but because they're just kind of using it to morph their voice into something more than just being like their voice they're using it to be a whole other instrument to go along with the instrumental yeah yeah like that's that's like something that you kind of you know at least when you hear like a bunch of pop music where it's mostly that's like the most practical use of autotune it's like using it in such an impractical way where it's just i don't know it's not so much your voice it's like extremely electronic and i think you kind of like you just see it with like every song like i can't even be like oh specific example it's like i don't know it's on everything mm -hmm. like even in uh 444 plus 222 like the beginning of that even though it is kind of more stripped back and he's just rapping over a little or won't even say rapping it's just like the breathe in breathe in like over this little like 808s or 808 drum he's like really heavily auto-tuned that it's like his the little segments in like your voice's inflection sound so divided mm. like where anytime you would kind of go up in your voice it like sounds more like layer like da, 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 da. not so much just a steady climb yeah i definitely hear that in just all of auto-tune where it's like you don't at least nowadays in rap culture you don't really want that like steady climb you kind of want it to have layers and it sounds like it's almost skipping because it just kind of sounds cooler i guess to put it easy <laughs> yeah it's like it's got this really cold electronic sound to it which fits really well with the few of the tracks um like it, it adds such a weird vibe to some of the more emotional songs on this like um like dark queen i feel like um you know singing about his mom and all that and I don't know, it's just how it kind of, it doesn't remove the genuineness from it, mm. but it adds kind of a different layer to it. I don't know, it, it just kind of adds like, I guess a barrier for it, which I think it's, I'm going to talk about Kanye again, but I have to, I have to save that for later. But um, that kind of use of like this, this like barrier kind of between like this sort of, I don't know, human side of them is kind of, you know, um, kind of interesting um when you uh with like the subject matter of like the album or at least some of the songs on the album i wouldn't say there's like a tight concept to this um yeah i think it also just adds to the auto-tune itself because you hear Lil uzi rapping on dark queen mm -hmm. and you hear him talking about his mom and he's kind of getting really sentimental with it and it kind of is like this person that you hear rapping ignorantly quote unquote on all these other songs with auto-tune and having the stigma behind autotune, it's like, this is a real person behind all this. And he doesn't just, he doesn't like take off the autotune to show that and be like, I'm going to sing in my real voice to show like I'm a real person. He just keeps the autotune on and is like, no, you have to attribute that humanity yeah. to me, even though I might sound like a robot or sound like an instrument. 
it's like I'm a real person. Yeah, it is also, um, I mean, it does work well with like the subject matter of the song of kind of how it's like his mother's like more of a concern over at least his lifestyle. And it's like, you know, I'm still a person. Like it is both sentimental yet also like I I am still living this and I can kind of control this, which uh, just a random thing. Well, it's not really random, but it's um kind of finding parallels between this because I already just from the style of it, I was drawing parallels to 808s, but at least Dark Queen and how it's about his mother, I was like, this is kind of crazy because 808s has a song like yeah. about his mom. Of course, much different context because in 808, it's like his mother passed away and all that. Um, Whilst in this, it's like, it's just more his mother's concern. But I don't know. It's just weird little parallels I found. Yeah. Like this is almost the 808s and heartbreaks of our generation. It's kind of like the same album just made to be more modern and for today's culture with like the topics that people would connect to more now about like depression and mm-hmm. all that stuff and it's kind of like taking Kanye's side where it's like Kanye made this song because his mother died and mm-hmm. Uzi's kind of making it so it's like you don't have to relate to this song because your mom might have passed away you can have your mom still in your life but you can still feel as emotional as you did before yeah and it's kind of just like the fact that Kanye which we'll get into more later Kanye has this influence and Uzi has said it himself I think it was either Uzi or Juice World, and it could have been both of them, where they're like, 808s and Heartbreaks is their favorite album of all time. And it's like in their music, and more specifically now in Uzi's music, you kind of hear that, where it's like, he's just taking Kanye's style. Like how everyone takes Uzi's style now and yeah. makes it their own. Uzi took Kanye's thing and was like, I'm going to make my own thing out of this to make yeah. it more unique. Because like, even though I would find elements of like the 808s kind of style, which I, I wrote a thing on it. <laughs> Um, I wrote like a little Google Doc of kind of what I call like quote unquote the 808 style, but um, like taking certain elements. Like I think the biggest, I think 444 plus 222 is like the closest thing I found to like, I wouldn't say a direct 808 song, but found the most elements in it of like the hard auto tune, um, kind of adding more instruments. Like where it's it's not as um, not as quick of like a banger as something like uh was it the way life goes where like way life goes it just hits you right at the beginning while it's just it's like a slow build up with him um singing the chorus first and then it like it cuts out then it slowly fades back in with the beat but the the thing that got me the most was how how long the song is it's like i mean it's not super long it's like four minutes but something with a lot of the songs on 808s is they have these extended instrumental outros Mm -hmm. like i think the biggest example is say you will where it's like a three minute long outro but um with this i think it was about like a minute and a half or so that was kind of it wasn't like an instrumental outro but it it felt like the outro and it i don't know it kind of dragged a bit for me but it did remind me a bit of like 808s of just this really long kind of drawn out feeling that he's trying to get from you with this i think some of this will grow on me a bit more there are, I think, Neon Guts. I didn't like it at first, but like I listened to it like three or four times, and it just kind of clicked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that song, did Pharrell help with the production on it? I'm not sure exactly because uh, yeah, I think he did. Yeah, it it make it feels a lot more like bouncier, kind of like oh, something Pharrell would make, but it doesn't feel like you know it's just a Pharrell song. It has this really 
kind of skippy beat that I really love where it's like um, the snare isn't just like, you know, kind of this usual beat. It feels like one snare, but it's like cut up in like little millisecond like bites. And um, also just Pharrell's smooth voice kind of contrasting with how hard, you know, Uzi's is. Mm. Like, um, I kind of loved that, which I, I wish I liked more of the features. There was one song that I wasn't the biggest fan of, Unfazed with The Weeknd. I don't know. I think it was mostly the chorus because it just, like, he didn't use The Weeknd in, like, the most interesting way. He did have a verse, but I, I don't know. It just felt like he kind of melted him just going, like, I'm unfazed. Yeah. I'm unfazed. And it uh, is really just, like, one of the slower, darker songs on the album, mm-hmm. which I really, I used to really like the song, but then it kind of grew off of me over time. Whereas like I, still, I could still listen to it, but if I'm listening to the whole album, I wouldn't really want to have to listen to that when it's surrounded by a bunch of other more energetic songs and some slower songs that do it, do the slow style more justice than it does. Yeah, it, it just, it feels kind of like, I don't know how to describe it. It just feels like you're like, it just melts in the album and not in like a good way. It just doesn't really fit quite as well. And it's just disappointing because I'm like, I love the stuff that like the weekend can do with his voice like you know yeah damn it i'm gonna bring up hurricane again but like no um but you know he's just a very talented singer and he's just be not being used to like the fullest extent here while i was like pharrell on uh neon guts he's just i don't know he's just in there <laughs> yeah and more about neon guts there's actually a video of the producer or not the producer the engineer mixing the song and he teaches like how he mixed that song and there's parts where he shows like the raw vocals and then explains what he did to it and why he did it and it's like you can hear i think more so on the back end it's a lot more clear uzi harmonizing in the back Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like got a lot of delay and reverb on it and obviously the whole song is just a bunch of auto-tune and his main reason for that is because he wanted to kind of feel ethereal and like out of this world yeah, which Uzi's known for. He doesn't. He doesn't want to be like everyone else. He doesn't want to be like a human. He wants to be different, and it's like you can kind of get that feeling, especially from this album, but specifically this song, where it's like it just kind of feels like you're floating. I guess. Yeah, I I would agree with that. There is a really ethereal vibe to the whole album, where it it is you know emotional at some points, but it it does kind of take you off your feet a little bit. It's really I don't know. Uh, it is also like a little bit of influence from like Travis Scott as well with like, you know, Rodeo and how kind of spacious and psychedelic that album is. Um, there's uh, just kind of taking that more, you know, spacious feel and applying that to like a bunch of these tracks. Um, yeah, like some of the slow, I think like, I guess that's something they were trying to do more on Unfazed, but just, I don't know doesn't really work out as much also you brought up the reverb that was one thing i also felt with some of these where there was just a lot of echoing and it just i don't know it it did add to the space element of it there was only one song that i didn't really think it worked out with where is it rager yeah i knew you were gonna say that (laughs) it just it felt like i liked the intro i liked where it was going but there was just way too much reverb it just it just felt like it got a bit lost in the mix and all that um, it was like it was so close for me, like really liking it, but it just like eh, just kind of fell short, at least in that uh, aspect. Yeah, I didn't like that song at first, and I would skip it like almost every time I heard the album. 
but recently it's kind of just it hit for me recently where it's kind of just like supposed to be a song that you just rage to i guess yeah no i agree with that there were a few songs that i was like i i would kind of feel would work better at like a concert setting like i mean i kind of feel that with like whole lot of red just like the whole album where it's like you know like i hear it on spotify and i'm like all right this is all right but then it's like i watch live concert clips where Playboy Cardi's just screaming over um, Stop Breathing. I'm like, okay, this is kind of amazing. I yeah. <laughs> Like a lot of albums aren't made to be. Like you sit down and listen to it, and you just kind of just sit there kind of critiquing it and being like, oh, what's right. he saying? What does it sound like? It's, there's certain albums that are just made to be inexperienced, and you're supposed to just enjoy it and be able to just dance to it or rock out to it. Yeah. And Uzi has said about this song as well. He said, he tweeted something like, Early twenty rager isn't a song. It's when the Molly hits. It's like it's supposed to. It's not supposed to be like you sit down and listen to it. It's supposed to be this feeling that you get when everything is just different. Like you're in a different world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I um I do feel that a lot with this song. And it's like I wasn't like when I was listening to this album, I wasn't just like sitting there like hands you know kind of held and like with pen ready like I'm going to critique everything. But it was yeah. just like. I I was vibe I was trying to vibe out to songs like as I'm like sitting down you know on my laptop and all that because I mean I I don't I don't know any places at Ithaca that really do that regularly, yeah. well at least places where you can't use a fake but whatever, um, it, it's just yeah, um, I think at least before we wrap this up because we are running a little short on time I kind of want to go over a few of my favorite tracks, so. Um, Malfunction grew on me a bit. All right, yeah, Malfunction. At first, I was sort of like, eh, but as the song went on, I realized, like, no, this is something you play at, like, midnight in a car, yeah. and it just, it fit, and I just started vibing to it. That that was really good. Um, and it's also just back to the 808s and Heartbreaks comparison. Mm-hmm. It's that Heartbreak section of it where yeah. he's talking about his ex-relationship, which this whole album was kind of based on his relationship at the time or his ex-relationship, I guess. Yeah, and I so felt. This oh, is sorry. definitely a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there were a few tracks that it, it, it did kind of, it wasn't like a hard narrative, but I did kind of see like the buildup, especially like, I know we listened to the deluxe, but um, EXO Tour Life is supposed to be like the final song on the album. And it is kind of, it is a finale, especially with like a chorus, like push me to the edge, all my friends are dead. Yeah. Like, it's kind of hard hitting. EXO um, Tour Life as well. Before. The song's a classic. It, it just is. Like, that's <laughs> one of the best songs of that might be the best song of our generation where it's like this song is going to be remembered and it's like if you think of a modern day classic like a song that you would compare to like how you listen to california by tupac and it's like you can still listen to that today and people are like this is a classic this represents this era it's like exo tour life is going to be in 20 years the song that we play to be like this kind of defines our current generation and the music that we listen to now i would say you're over exaggerating but I don't know. I think it is very indicative of the era because it just has such a great chorus. I mean, I think the chorus kind of carries it a bit where it's just so well made and, I don't know, and catchy, yet also it's, like, dark. It I don't know. It just hits all the right notes for that. I think the verses, I haven't really gone too much into it, but it's just the chorus just kind of hits a lot, and it's like, dang. Yeah. I didn't put it at my top because that would have been too easy. Yeah. But, but I think just before oh, we move on 
past this song as well. It's like you can also say, like definitely when the song came out, it felt that way, like this is going to be a classic. Mm-hmm. But at the time, you could be like, oh, this is an exaggeration. of like it's going to be, a, it, it might be like a remembered song, but not like a classic or really good as, as good as we might remember it. Yeah. But I think Uzi really solidified the fact that this song is a, a generation-defining song with Eternal Take. And the last song on that album is P2, which is literally like a part two to EXO Tour Life. Oh, really? And he takes some of the same voice clips, some of the exact same vocal takes that he did in EXO Tour Life and puts mm-hmm. it in that song. And it's like when everyone heard it, they instantly got transported back to 2016, like, yeah. 2017, like early 2017 when this first dropped. That's like, and it's whoa. like the fact that we feel that nostalgia now, like two, three years after it dropped, just imagine how that is going to be amplified when we're all like 20 years from now and then you hear it and then yeah, you get transported like, again. I don't even care if you Like, yeah. I think actually before we move on, I wanted to talk about two other songs that I thought were really good. Uh, Feelings Mutual. I loved how it progressed like I love that little, oh my gosh, I don't know exactly if, um, how they did it. I don't know if it's a sample or not, but that little like the like that they would play throughout. Mm. It I really loved how they swapped between that, and it added like even though it is this really like kind of heartbreaking song with a chorus like I can't feel, like um, I don't know. It, it added a little bit of like childlike energy to it. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I really, I really like that song. And um, How to Talk. <laughs> I thought this song was the most toxic, like so toxic that I kind of liked it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, uh, what is it? I, I sent the lyrics to Brian because I thought it was really funny. Uh, what is it? I won't say it twice. Okay, it might say it twice because I'm kind of high. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just kind of silly um very toxic about that song to make it even more toxic is the girl at the beginning the voicemail oh yeah actually another rapper dream doll sending him that voicemail that was the rest of the song he interpolates like one of her songs (laughs) and kind of like uses lyrics from her song in his song oh my god and obviously this song is bigger than her song is so it's kind of like it's kind of also just like a talk to me nice because i'm bigger than you are Jeez, that's like some future type stuff. Yeah. That's wow. I did not know like I did not know that was a legit voicemail. <laughs> but anyways, that song, yeah, really good. Anyways, um do you want to talk about 808s? Oh, sure. Yeah. So, 808s and Heartbreak, uh 2008 classic by Kanye West. Originally kind of controversial. People were like, "What the heck? This guy made 3 of the best rap uh, albums of the 2000s, and then he comes out here and he's just singing? Like, why Why is he singing? Which even, that also just connects it back to Love is Rage too, where it's like, everyone hated on Kanye at the time, because it's like, oh, he why is he using all this autotune? Why is he embracing mm-hmm. this? Because T-Pain started the autotune thing, and then this, everyone was hating on T-Pain, and they're like, well, why is Kanye doing it now? Why is Kanye embracing that? And it's like how Uzi was a voice for the new generation to use a bunch of autotune and everyone hated on him and it's like why is he doing this now why is he kind of also amplifying this now because we already got used to kanye doing it but that's different because kanye is kanye's kanye so why is this random kid coming out of nowhere and how is he being able to be successful off of all this yeah and then 
it's like, oh, well, guess this is a thing now. It's yeah. like, it's kind of crazy because it's, it, it's like this weird stigma that I also was a part of. I, I was also like, why, why are they using auto tune? Shouldn't they just sing like all that? But you know, I guess I we, we already went over this before, but everyone kind of had that phase where even I was kind of like, I didn't really hate the auto tune, but it was just like when I heard it, when I first heard Playboy Cardi, my friend Gabe sent it to me. He mm-hmm. sent me his self-titled album, and I was just like, I really, I don't, I didn't like it. I don't like this music. And then over time, because I, I was first introduced to people like Kendrick, Childish Gambino, and Tyler the Creator. Yeah. It's like this is my definition of rap music. So then I hear this, and my ears aren't used to it, and I'm kind of like, what is this? Yeah. And then when I first heard EXO Tour Life, I didn't want to like it because it was mainstream and it was fame, it was popular. Everyone liked it. Mm-hmm. So my mind is kind of like, this is what everyone likes and is different from this other style of music. So I shouldn't like this, but it's just one of those things that's like, you can't just force yourself to not like something because right. if it sounds good, then you like it. Yeah. Yeah. But I, um, yeah. Yeah. Because I right, dude, like the auto tune is a massive part of 808s. Yeah. And you know, as we kind of described already, just kind of controversial and stuff. And, um, yeah, I think like it hits you right off the bat. Like, you know, say you will, it's such a weird kind of ambient track to start an album with. Cause you think of like other Kanye intros, like let's just go like his first one, the college dropout. You have this little skit with the principal and then he goes into rapping the song. We don't care. No auto tune, soul beats, heavy drums, all that. It's a classic, all right? (laughs) But then you go to 808s, it has this really ominous kind of, um, I don't know, you have this ominous kind of like, and then you have this this little drum that kind of goes through that sounds like a heartbeat monitor. Yeah. And he's he's singing with Mm auto-tune. And this is also just the fact that it's minimalistic, which is... Yeah, like you said in other Kanye intros, even later on, in My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, oh, it's and like then massive. The Life of Pablo, those don't start like this. They start more, especially at least with Ultra Light Beam and The Life of Pablo. That's like more angelic, and it mm-hmm. sounds full. It sounds like this big triumphant song, and then you go back to Say You Will, and that's kind of like nothing. Yeah. Not nothing, but you know, it's just less. It gives you what it gives you without giving you too much yeah it's it's such like at first i i wouldn't say i disliked it but i didn't quite get it and but like when you read into the lyrics and just the whole tone of the song it just it's so cold i mean yeah. I, of course that's like a really you know obvious way of describing it but it, it is it is such a cold album they're it it truly feels like you're in an empty room and like an empty white room listening to this, him kind of reminiscing about this woman who is also still in his life. It's this weird middle ground that he's in, in this song where, you know, she is clearly out of his life as like a relationship, but is still texting him at like two in the morning and stuff or like coming over. But then you find out at the end, it's like, I really hope the stuff that happens in this comes true um, so it's like, he's just imagining these things in his room. Um, oh my God. It, I, and- I thought of it now. I liked how, uh, I actually wrote down that the chorus is different every time. 
like there's slight changes in it oh yeah which you don't really hear that much in just rap or music in general like sometimes there's a chorus and you want to keep that chorus because you want it to be catchy mm -hmm. but the first time he does the chorus it's kind of like a like he's realizing what's happening and he's kind of like don't don't like play with me like you're not serious mm -hmm. and then the second chorus he changed it to don't say you will you do and it's kind of like a he's it em emphasizes that he's in denial and he's like don't say that you will because you do like this is something that you actually do all these emotions you feel these whatever right and then the third chorus he's like one day you will i pray you will and then the last one he says if you will i pray you will mm -hmm. and he even says don't say you will you will you will it's like later on he goes from being in denial to kind of like accepting everything and he's like nah like he still doesn't want to believe in he's kind of like begging like yeah please you know yeah i think the only um, the only consistent part of the chorus is, is how he goes like, hey, 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 hey. Yeah, like he's calling out to her. Yeah. And that's like, that's the only thing that doesn't change. Which, fun fact, I forget the exact artist he was with, but he was like doing that in the studio and this person was like, oh my God, that's amazing. You need to do that. You need to do that delivery. And they were right. The delivery of how he kind of says like, you know, that it's really, I don't know, it's, it's really kind of like painful just some like calling out and all that. Yeah, and I think his delivery, I really noticed it in the last chorus. It kind of gets softer. Mm -hmm. It's like the other three times. It's like he's really powerful in how he says it, but then the last time it's kind of like soft, and it's kind of like he's almost given up in a way. Yeah, yeah kind of like anguish, all that. Yeah. Actually, welcome to Heartbreak. There's like a really good transition from Say You Will into that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Real quick about Say You Will, just like how you said about 444, mm -hmm. where it's like the... When you mentioned how they both have similar just extended outros not that the outros are the same but yeah. the fact that it just has that outro itself i kind of noticed as well how kanye keeps that he doesn't keep doing it he does it like twice or three times where he has that extended outro and that's mm -hmm. something that I also am not that much of a fan of but i feel like that's just because in my mind that would be something i would have to get used to like if i listen yeah. when i listen to it more it's just like i'm so used to hearing the voice now be the instrument like an additional instrument mm -hmm. that's like when that is missing and it kind of just leaves you with the beat it kind of just feels like empty in a way yeah but i feel like that's also he wants it to feel empty yeah because like you said how the drum sounds like a heart monitor almost it's mm -hmm. kind of just like okay now that i'm done begging and i'm done talking to you this is all that's left it's yeah. just like my heartbeat you're just left like sitting in that feeling yeah which actually i think he does it for basically every song not like the same as say you will or say you will is like a lot more like this seeping feeling but stuff like um i think welcome to heartbreak has it a bit love lockdown has it the last like minute or so it, it's mostly the instrumental kind of going crazy but like he doesn't sing after that and yeah. then it it drops out to just the drum like the boom 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 the drum in Love Lockdown, I notice, is, like, on a lot of the songs. And it's oh yeah, it's kind of, like, a theme throughout the album. Like how with Brockhampton, I've said before to you, on oh, Saturation yeah, the 3, they yeah. have a synth. And that's kind of, like, their signature synth that they even use on later albums. Yeah, they had it on Roadrunner, I think. I think yeah. the song Sex had it. Yeah, it's, like, the drum line is throughout a lot of the songs in the album. And I kind of noticed it uh, when I listened to Love Lockdown. And then especially when it got to Coldest Winter, which we'll talk about later, mm -hmm. it's like it ends with that drum line. 
So it's kind of like this is throughout the song or throughout the album, and it's also the last thing you hear. Yeah, which ha- I know the last song oh, is Pinocchio story, but that since that's kind of like a live thing, which I also talk about afterwards. Yeah, um, it kind of feels like Coldest Winter is the meant to be last song. Yeah, I I do agree with that. Coldest Winter is like it. I feel like Pinocchio's story is more of like an end credit scene if you're gonna call this like a movie because like you have the climax. Well, actually, this is more of like an act three, but still, like you see him kind of after it, and he's like in this concert, and it's sort of like a reminiscing thing, which kind of ties into my beautiful dark twisted fantasy a little bit because mm-hmm. he just kind of predicts exactly how he's gonna act in the future, of like. Yeah, I mean, I don't have, like, I can buy all this stuff, but I'm not going to be able to do anything with it. I yeah. guess I'm just going to live recklessly. And it's sad because, like, yeah. everyone's cheering him on while he does it. Oh, yeah, that I know, too. I think I saw, when looking into the album, that Beyonce told him, like, put this on the album. Because she heard mm-hmm. it and she was like, no, you have to put this on the album. Yeah. For, like, that reason. Which, I mean, it's a little bit of, like... <laughs> You think of it as like, oh my gosh, like, why is the crowd doing that? But also, it's a little bit of like, what else are they going to do? Like, yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone can go up there and be like, hey, Kanye, how are you doing? Like, yeah. security would be like, get off the stage, please. But that's, and that's yeah. the thing with a lot of artists, especially with Juice World. Uh, mm. On his most recent song that just came out, Already Dead, you hear a lot of people reacting to it because like everyone's like, oh, react to the new Juice World, react to the new Juice World. And I know I'm Dante talked about it. When you hear the chorus, he's like, uh, I'm already dead. I've been dead for years. You can hear the pain in my laugh. And Dante hears that and he's like, I don't understand how anybody could hear this in the studio with him and be like, and just be like, oh, yeah, this is fire. That's cool. <laughs> and nobody's like checking in on him to be yeah, like, yo, like, are you okay? Yeah. And it's like, Dante said, if y'all know if Juice was alive right now, I would tell all of you to go spam him and be like, yo, are you okay? Show him love. Mm-hmm. Because that's what some people, not saying that, oh, if you don't do that, then you're just a bad person. But there are people who think like, we wish we can help these artists. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. Because Dante was like that when Juice was alive. But it's like, just because he's showing this love and support, it's up to the artists themselves. So like how Kanye's like, oh, yeah, all this money, I'm going to fall into it, and my life is kind of going to just be engulfed in the fame. Mm-hmm. It's like he's aware of it, but at the end of the day, only he can stop himself. Right. And it's kind of like he's a, just because he's aware of it doesn't necessarily mean like, yeah, I know this is going to happen, so that makes it okay, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's like, I mean, also it is like you need to also think of the time period because it's also like this is 2008, at least like when Juice World was, you know, around, it was like 2015, 2016, it was a lot more of, you know, we had a lot more technology that we could actually, you know, get more in contact with these artists and celebrities. Yeah. Like, you know, Twitter is like a whole thing. Like, I don't know, I don't think Twitter was even up in 2008. So it's, it's like, like a yeah. positive, but at the same time, it's kind of like a positive and a negative. Cause it's like, we have this accessibility to these artists, but it still is like, just because you can access them doesn't necessarily make it better it doesn't make it more doesn't make them feel less lonely than they do you know mm-hmm. yeah we kind of we kind of went all the way to pinocchio's story but yeah what what else do we kind of want to talk about a little bit? so we were on the extended outros all that and then went more to pinocchio's story but i do want to say i want to talk about i want to talk about heartless last 
kind of like mm. in a similar discussion of exo tour life yeah sure thing so before that i wanted to get into coldest winter how like we talked about with uzi that's like uzi's dark queen mm-hmm. this is kanye talking about his mother passing and i liked how there's a lot of that metaphor of like the coldest winter mm-hmm. because there's a double meaning to that where he talks about the memories in the winter right. and the memories that people attribute that to for Kanye are the first memory, which is him moving to Chicago with his mother in the first place. Cause yeah. they moved sometime in the winter and then his mother also passing away in November, which is like, it's not winter, but it's right before winter. So you could kind of say like, mm-hmm. there's that feeling of these two juxtaposing memories. One is like a more happy memory of like, Oh, me and my mom are moving to Chicago. This is where I'm starting my life. Mm-hmm. This is where I'm going to live and grow up. And this is and then now he's going to influence this culture. But then it's also like this is a time when I lost someone who I really love and I care about. Yeah. Which speaking of the the winter kind of metaphor, there is a line, the last um, verse of the song, which what is it? If spring can take the snow away, can it melt away all of our mistakes? Memories made in the coldest winter. Goodbye, my friend. I won't ever love again. That is one of the hardest hitting yeah i think lyrics in like the whole album and it's similar to say you will how it's like that's the chorus but he changes it oh the yeah. whole time he's kind of like he's like will i love again and he's just questioning it the entire time throughout the just, chorus but this I time won't. he's like yeah. no i'll never be able to yeah it's like it's heartbreaking but i think something that makes this album at least special for me is like of course there are songs like coldest winter and say you will which are are a lot more like dang i'm sorry to hear about that but there are other songs on here that are kind of like a mix of both where it's like you he, you see all these issues that um that Kanye is kind of being put through in this album you know um but there are other songs that you kind of see why he's being put through it and uh, you especially see that in the song paranoid where the whole song is about him kind of trying to uh to calm this woman that he's with don't worry about it don't worry about it. which on first listen especially with how like poppy and dancey the song is it's kind of like you can maybe see this as like uh more of a positive message but i don't when you think about it more and especially like the fact in the beginning there's like a little little vocal snippet of him talking to this other woman about like yeah i tell her to stop being so paranoid and all that it's like wait this guy is like doing all this awful stuff and he's just like, no, don't worry about it. Or there's one line I think um, I will never forget it. It's just like the him being like, you worry about the wrong things or wrong thing where it's like, it's not saying like, oh, oh yeah. you're worrying about like, you know, it's like, oh, don't, don't worry about it. Like th- these aren't things. It's, he's, it's sort of like, no, I'm doing something that's even worse. You're worrying about the wrong yeah. thing. Like, and you can also say in Welcome to Heartbreak, how he notices in the verses, like, there's all these other people who have these things that I don't think I'll be able to get, mm-hmm. where one of the things that I wrote down was, my god sister's getting married by the lake, but I couldn't figure out who I'd want to take, where it's like, he's yeah. seeing all these other people around him get married, start a life, and he's still trapped in this life that he's living, and he's kind of like, like how in Pinocchio's story, he's aware of it, but he doesn't really focus on changing it yeah i mean he he doesn't 
even go to support the person like that yeah. last line of it kind of being like it's like bad enough that i showed up late couldn't even or left before they even cut the cake it's like you know there was literally no reason for you to leave other than your own like self guilt and all that it's yeah. it's both like really sad yet also when you look at the whole album it is a bit like you you need to move on or something or you have to work through this all yeah. that it's kind of like oh it's kind of like how in just like everyday life people go through things and they kind of see like oh they might think i'm a bad person or they might think i did this really bad thing or my life sucks or this and that and they'll always mm-hmm. tell you about it but then they never actively try to change it and yeah. that's kind of like what kanye's doing where he's keeps bringing up i'm kind of this bad person and i keep doing these things that are bad and they're bad for me and he's aware of why he does it he is aware of what he's doing and he knows like i have to change this but then ultimately he never does yeah but th- there are a few things that like he when he does try to change but the times when he does like change it's kind of in the wrong direction or it's kind of like okay so i'm feeling all these emotions i'm just going to shut them off which there are two examples um we're going to talk about heartless later like see you in my nightmares like after bad news which is kind of about hearing news of being cheated on it's um see you in my nightmares is kind of just like yeah i'm cold i'm never gonna like think of you again like all this mm-hmm. stuff and then right after it you have coldest winter it's like oh well guess not yeah it's uh and like heartless i guess we'll we'll wait on that a little bit but he I mean, is talk about it right now yeah so we can ease into heartless the whole thing is kind of him dealing with all these issues or at least this breakup and kind of being like all right you know what I've got all my friends with me. I'm good. I'm all, I'm going to be cold. You're never going to see me again or something like, or just something like that. It's really just like, yeah, I'm the cool one here. I'm not the one being affected by this breakup. No, 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 no. You're the one who is going to be sad. Like he's like in denial about it. Yeah. A little bit. And it's like, you, you see it in the song afterwards. Amazing. That this sort of, it, it's, it feels like this, the worst hype up anthem on the planet earth. Cause most of like the lyrics where he is kind of, I, I would or like his verses are a lot more like I'm exhausted. I'm barely breathing. Like all this stuff. Like I am, I cannot do this, but it's eh, amazing. Amazing. <laughs> like yeah. he's trying to have this energy, but he just cannot. And it's exemplified even more with like the feature from Jeezy who he is like full of energy. He is like a ball of life on this whole album. And then it's like Kanye, like right afterwards, he has like the verse, like it's amazing, yeah. so amazing. When you put it like that, it makes more sense. Because when I first heard it, I didn't really, I didn't like that song, and I still don't. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's not a song that I would go back to, but I can appreciate it more, in the sense that I get it now. Because, like you said, it did sound like Kanye was kind of not bored, but he wasn't putting that much energy. But now it makes sense as to like, it's kind of like he's almost lying to himself. Yeah, like he can't really hype himself up because he knows that what he's saying isn't true and then when the feature came in it kind of like you said he had so much energy that's kind of like where why doesn't kanye have all this and i it makes you not really know if you should like the feature or not because Mm -hmm. when you go into it you're like this is kanye's album this is a kanye song i'm listening to this for kanye so do i really want to like this feature more than i like kanye's part so you recognize like this feature has a lot of energy and he's doing pretty good 
but it doesn't fit on this song. So is that Kanye's fault for making the song not be able to fit the feature? Or is it the feature's fault for not being able to kind of fit into this depressing vibe that Kanye has established already? I think it was a little bit intentional mm-hmm. because there was, um, th- this is like a whole thing with context that I think I may cut out, but there was this song that Jeezy did called Put On where it's this whole inspirational song about kind of putting his work into like the city of Chicago, all that. And then Kanye is featured on it. And this is 808's era Kanye as well. This is before he dropped the album. But his 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 feature verse is so depressing. It's like they brought in just the it's kind of like ah, never mind, I won't make that comparison. But it's just um, it just completely does not fit, but it, it just feels so out of place. And in this like inspirational song, you just have him talking about like all this sad stuff where it's like, oh, I have this money, but like, I'm not going to do anything with it. Like, what am I going to do? Like yeah. all that stuff. Um, it's definitely a thing of like, it could definitely be intentional, which I think it was, but just cause you make something intentionally bad, which I'm not saying it is bad. I'm just saying in general, just cause you make something and you're like, I want this to be bad because I want this to prove this point, this, that, and the third. That doesn't mean that, oh, just because it's supposed to be bad, that means I, I should like it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I can still not like something even though it's meant to be bad. Like, how you don't like villains in movies because yeah. they're meant to be bad, you know? Yeah, I, I've, I have, like, I didn't like Amazing at first. It's kind of grown on me, mostly because even though it does have that tired energy to it, it feels very structured, especially with how Kanye's verses are. Mm-hmm. It's one after the other, and it has this rhythm to it. I think my one critique is that Jeezy does kind of disrupt that flow um, because it's like, honestly, if the song ended around where Jeezy shows up, where it has that kind of, you also hear like a little bit of like a scream, like kind of fading off. And then it like erupts when Jeezy shows up. But it's like, honestly, if the song ended there, it wouldn't even be that bad. It does kind of have a menacing outro with that. Yeah. But still, I, I think it's it's gotten better, at least for me with time um anyways any other songs you want to uh discuss like either good or bad the last song would should be talking about heartless yeah and we can talk about like the song itself and like what it talks about but i think it's just it's amazing it's really just like like the exo tour life of its time like those two songs have a lot of overlap like how these albums have a lot of overlap Mm-hmm. Where it's like I never heard 808s and heartbreaks, 808s and heartbreak, but I knew Heartless, and I knew the chorus to Heartless. I knew how it sounded, and it's one of those things that's like you may not know anything about this artist or this album that this song comes from, but you know this song. Yeah, and it kind of represents a time, and it does represent that shift of like we're going from all this old school rap to now shifting it to be something different. Yeah, which I think you can see that with also, like, I think I, I kind of have, like, three of Kanye's biggest hits, like this, Gold Digger, and Stronger. Yeah. They do have a a new vibe to it that it adds, like, Stronger added a lot more of, like, electronic elements to rapping, you know, using a Daft Punk sample instead of, you know, like, the soul samples he would use, like, in College Dropout and Late Registration. And then in this, they're 
there are no other samples. The, um, the song also he's like singing the chorus and all that. Like he would never sing the choruses. Um, yeah. And also just that heavy auto tune and the just that simple 808 drum in the background as well as the boom 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 boom. It just it drives the whole song. It is so just perfect. Um like I can't say a bad thing about this song. There is it's just a classic. I <laughs> Yeah. Like you hear this at a party as well. It it's it just hits every time. Um I don't I don't know what else to say. It's There's just, also just that yeah. how it's influential in the sense of like you said Kanye singing and rappers aren't quote unquote supposed to sing and it kind of also just lets artists know you don't have to be perfect in your singing because heartless it doesn't have like the best singing it does sound good but Mm -hmm. obviously because it's drowned in auto-tune it's not like oh this sounds like the most beautiful singing you're not going to be like oh this sounds like the weekend or whatever you know yeah but like how tyler the creator has said that Kendrick told him you should start singing and it doesn't need to sound super good as long as it sounds authentic and it sounds like it's coming from a place of emotion and yeah. that's when he made Earthquake so it's kind of like yeah Kanye being able to just embrace that he's not the best singer and that he can he has sung on other songs uh, I mm-hmm. think I forget what song it was I know that he has sung the chorus of a couple songs before, but now that he's adding the auto-tune to it, it's kind of like embracing this imperfection, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I will say, over the years, Kanye's singing has gotten much better. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, with 808s, this is like the first time he's tried it, and it's it's so just it's so great how it brings out this extra emotion where although rapping definitely is able to bring out feeling by sort of um, having this, you know, vocal delivery of singing compared to your usual, like, rapping style, it's it, it adds a whole nother layer to it and gives a lot more emotion to what you're singing, especially in Heartless. It, that chorus, it, if he rapped that, that chorus would be, or, or just if he did it, like, in a normal inflection, that chorus would not be anywhere near as memorable. Yeah. It's just those initial notes that you hear, those cold auto-tuned, the in the night, like that draws you in immediately. You know what you're listening to. It's, oh my gosh, it's just perfect. I remember hearing it on the radio as well when I was mm. a kid. And like, I I don't know, every time I heard it, I was like, this is great. But I had no clue who did it. And then it's like. Ugh. And just as an album as a whole, there's that contrast of like, having the heartbreak side of things which is all the love songs which Kanye has said uh, to T-Pain like T-Pain's album Rapper Turned Singer he was like I just pretty much made your album and like we made the same album but I just marketed it better than you and he didn't do it like as a diss but he's just like yeah, paying homage to T-Pain like you started this but I kind of took my own thing and made it and popularized it Yeah, and with the heartbreak side of things, it's like there's that emotion side of it, which is kind of supposed to get you sad or get you feeling th- something mm-hmm. on the more depressing side of the emotional scale. And then you have the 808s, 
which music is obviously just proven to make you feel like when you hear it and when you hear these deep dark 808s that kind of gets you amped up and hyped up which is why a lot of artists now use that in like the rage style of music and the hyper pop style of music and it's kind of like you're hearing these 808s and so it kind of amps you up but at the same time you listen to the song and you're not supposed to feel that way you feel like i'm supposed to be sad or i'm supposed to feel for kanye but Uh your body won't let you feel that way you just kind of bounce to it where you know heartless is him kind of just being like I don't care about you anymore, or at least I will never care about you anymore. But you're just bouncing to it because of yeah. just how addicting it's. It's like, it's like musical crack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just hits you. Which also is like shown in Pinocchio's story, where everyone's cheering him oh on while saying yeah. that. Well, there aren't 808s. I think it's just the yeah, piano, but, I just but mean still, like yeah, the yeah. Overall theme. <laughs> the themes are about musical crack. That's what's about. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, at least before we wrap up today, I kind of want to do a little thing of like, what are what are your top threes from each of these albums and least favorite track from each? But at least for um, Love Is Rage, I think at least my three favorites are um, like Feelings Mutual, How to Talk, and EXO Tour Life, and then I think my least favorite track was um, Unfazed. Yeah, I just, I did not like that track. But those three, I really enjoyed the energy they had. And um, if we're going to talk about 808s, I think my three favorite are probably like Love Lockdown, Heartless, and at the top is Streetlights, um, which that's kind of become my favorite Kanye song. It has such a great emotion to it, but yeah. So do you have your top three? Oh, actually, wait, sorry. Real quick before I finish. Least favorite Pinocchio story. I just oh, yeah. don't find as much of a song. It's like that or maybe um, See You in My Nightmares. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. I'd say top three. I don't know about the order, but I would say Welcome to Heartbreak, Heartless, and Coldest Winter mm-hmm. are my top three. All right. And then my least favorite is probably Amazing. Just Dang. I don't really, I can't get over Kanye just the chorus being repetitive and just kind of like, you know, boring. All right. What about a love is rage? Do you have, um, anything for that? At least like top three or least favorite top three. It really changes a lot of the time, but I would say throughout the years in order from least to most favorite, it would be actual tour life. Just cause obviously that's classic. Uh, Neon Guts by Pharrell Williams or with Pharrell Williams. <laughs> yeah. And then Sauce It Up. Oh, Sauce It Up's about, good. Yeah. That's, no, that's another great one. One of my favorite songs almost of all time. Yeah, that one's awesome. And then my least favorite is either. Actually, yeah, I'll just say Unfazed because yeah. I, I don't think I've skipped any other song on this album when I play it other than Unfazed. It's just, yeah. Unfazed, just kind of slow. Thank you so much for uh, coming on today, Jose. Thank you for having me. Yeah, very good discussion here. Um, anyways, I also want to thank you all for listening. Uh, this was VIC Radio's The Chopping Block. Uh, next week, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know. But it'll be something special. Anyways, I hope you all have a great day. And uh, I will see you in the next episode.